we're told that nine out of ten homes in America have a Bible. That's pretty impressive, I think, just as a raw number. If we're going to take a survey of this group, the simple thing this morning, we're going to run those odds way on up there, right? Ten out of ten homes here have a Bible, and that's a good thing. Uh, in fact, you probably have way more than a Bible in your home. You probably have many multiple copies. I, someday or another, I need to stop and count how many that I have overall, but there's certainly more than one around. And you usually find a Bible pretty quickly in our homes, can't you? Uh, in fact, now we even, most of us, have some version or versions of the Bible on our telephones. We can take our phone uh, and look up the scriptures, which is really impressive. Uh, do you have your Bible with you today? I sure hope you do. I think you do. But the fact of the matter is we take our Bibles for granted, I imagine. That it's a thing that we just assume. You know, Bibles, everybody's got a Bible. i got a Bible. i got lots of Bibles. Everybody has a Bible. But, you know, people haven't always been as fortunate as we are to possess a Bible. Did you know it was not until the 6th century when they began to bind books together, take separate sheets of paper and bind them together in something like what we have as a book? It was very crude compared to what we have today. But it wasn't until about the 6th century when they began to bind books together like that. And then, of course... It was in 1456, over 500 years ago, but not that long ago in terms of world history, a little over 500 years ago, Johann Gutenberg made the first Bible printed with movable type. And of course, that made Bibles uh, a lot more accessible. Uh, so we, we mention all of that to simply say that when we have a Bible, we have something that is very special, a very special blessing in the fact that we are able to own, possess, have ready access to the Bible. Today we want to take a look at a man in the Scriptures and his Bible, and we're simply going to entitle our lesson this morning, The Ethiopian Eunuch's Bible. We'll come about that here in just a minute. Our text is going to be Acts chapter 8, and if you want to turn over there to Acts 8, we'll be trying to make all of our observations from that text in Acts 8, the story of the Ethiopian eunuch. We stop here for a minute to say thanks again for being here. As Lee already mentioned, we're grateful for all who are here and for the many visitors who are with us today. We're glad that you've come our way. Please come back every time you have a chance to be here. Ask any questions you have. There's nothing we like better than to sit down together uh, around a kitchen table and talk about the Word of God. And if you would like to engage in that, simply say a word. We'd be anxious to accommodate you to study together about the Scriptures. Thanks for being with us this morning. Let's read again those verses that Damon read for us just a few moments ago from Acts 8 as this, as this very familiar incident is introduced to us here in Acts 8, beginning verse 26. The angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south into the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. And he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure and had come to Jerusalem for to worship, was returning and sitting in his chariot read Isaiah the prophet. Let's comment about this for a minute. What kind of things do you see there in those initial verses that sort of stick out as significant? Well, in regards to a Bible, it's interesting to note that the Ethiopian eunuch had one. Now, understand, it was really a rare thing in those times for people to possess any part of the Word of God. Copies were handwritten, obviously. 
This certainly wasn't a bound book like we have because they weren't even doing that then, right? This almost certainly was, as it's pictured there in that picture, a scroll. And to read, you would unroll from one end and roll up on the other. You would read this scroll. It was a scroll of one book of the Bible. It was the book of Isaiah. Um, again, a handwritten copy of that book. That was very rare. It was a precious thing. Most people would not have had access to this, which probably indicates the, prominent of the prominence of this governmental official from Ethiopia who had gone to Jerusalem for, to worship. And so the very fact that he had one should cause us to stop and think for a minute. Here's a rich man, a high government official. He had one. Most everybody else would not have had one. He didn't have a whole book. He didn't have all the books of the Bible like we have. He had a scroll of one book of the Bible. But even that in itself was very precious. Again, I would simply say we tend to take our Bibles too much for granted. It is a special blessing to have what we have. But not only did he have one, it's interesting to point out he knew where his Bible was. It was with him. And he had made provisions to take it with him on his trip. He's making a long trip. If you get your map out and study the course that the Ethiopian eunuch traveled, he would travel well over a thousand miles by the time he traveled to Jerusalem and back to his home in Ethiopia. It was a long, long trip. But in making all of it, can you imagine packing for a trip like that? Trying to make sure, have I got everything I need? You know, even when we take a trip for a day or two, we try to make sure we got everything we need. A lot of times when we get ready to make a trip, I tell Cindy, it won't matter if someone breaks in while we're gone because we have everything we own with us. Uh, there won't be anything here for them to steal. But, but can you imagine packing for a trip like this, which would not have happened in a day or two or a week or two? This was a long, arduous trip that he'd make. But in planning for all that, he planned to take his scroll of Isaiah with him. I'm reminded of a story a preacher told once about uh, going to visit in someone's home. And uh, this person was not a real faithful Christian, and that was the reason for this call. And so uh, when the preacher came in, the, the woman of the house said to her little boy, Son, go and get that book that we love so much. And so the little boy disappeared from the room, and a few minutes later he came back in carrying the Sears catalog. Or another story, this was told as a true story. Uh, an elder and a preacher went to call upon a sister who was not very faithful in attendance. But she assured them that even though that she didn't attend very regularly, she, she prayed and studied her Bible all the time. And so the elder said, well, uh, go get your Bible so, uh, so we can read a few verses together. It took her ten minutes to find her Bible, uh, although she said that she read it all the time. Not this man, not this man from Ethiopia. He knew where his Bible was. He'd made plans to take it with him on his trip to Jerusalem. And, and what's more is that he was reading his Bible. Uh, this was, as we said, a long trip, a really long trip, very arduous, rough, uh, but he still made time as he was on this long, arduous trip to read the Bible. What about us? Do we take the time to read our scriptures like we should? 2 Timothy 2, verse 15 says, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. We know that in newer translations where the King James says, Study to show thyself approved, it'll say something like, Give diligence to show thyself approved. But studying would be included in that, obviously, right? 
As you give diligence, as you study, you show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. We need to study. I wonder how well we compare to this fella. He was on this rough, dusty road on a long, long trip, but he was reading the word of God. We sat in our heated and air-conditioned houses in soft, comfortable, easy chairs, and we say we don't have time to read. We can't make time to read. This man had a Bible. He knew where it was. He took time to read it, and we need to do the same. Uh, I had a preacher friend once who said, who referred to a particular printing of the Bible. He said it was the King James Version, CTE. So KJV, CTE. You know what that stood for? King James Version, Coffee Table Edition. And that's what a lot of people have. They have, they have the Bible as sort of just a, a decoration in their house. We need to take the time to actually read it. Now, I would also point out about this man from Ethiopia that he was reading the prophets. He was reading Isaiah. He was, he was reading a tougher section of scriptures. You know, we all have maybe favorite sections of the Bible that we like to read, familiar stories that we like to be reminded of, and, and we share them with the children, and that's all good. Maybe there's some sections of the Psalms that you particularly like to read, and they're very encouraging to you. That's good. But this man was also interested in reading what would have amounted to a more challenging section of the Scriptures. Wade was telling me earlier today about studying in Ezekiel and the class he's teaching about Ezekiel. There's some really tough places in Ezekiel to understand what the message means. But we should not shy away from those sections either. This man from Ethiopia was reading the prophets. This would be a section of Scriptures that I think would probably fall into the category that the Hebrew writer mentions in Hebrews chapter 5 when he talks about the meat of the word. In Hebrews chapter 5, verse 13, everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. And so we ought to be interested in the meat of the word too. Uh, and this man from Ethiopia clearly was. So, as you think about this guy, I, I think you have to agree he's a pretty commendable character just from these simple introductory uh, things that we learn about him as this story unfolds. But let's keep reading a little bit further. In Acts 8 at verse 29, Then the Spirit said to Philip, Go near and join thyself to this chariot. And Philip ran thither to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah and said, Understandest thou what thou readest? And he said, How can I except some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. The place of the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and like a lamb dumb before his shearer, so opened he not his mouth. In his humiliation his judgment was taken away, and who shall declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee, of whom speaketh the prophet this? Of himself or of some other man? Well, from that simple question that he asked what he wanted to know, he asked Philip to come up and help him. He questioned him about what he was reading there in the book of Isaiah. And so, again, not only was he reading the prophets, but he really wanted to know what it meant. We know where he was reading, don't we? That's one of our favorite sections of scriptures now because in hindsight we can look back and see that was a beautiful prophetic description of the sacrificial death of Jesus on the cross of Calvary, Isaiah chapter 53. 
very often on Sundays when we meet together to observe the Lord's Supper, the men will read from Isaiah chapter 53. You can't read a more beautiful passage of Scripture that describes that sacrificial death of Jesus. But understand, we have the picture clearly because we can look back at it and we can see not only the prophecy, but the fulfillment of the prophecy, and we've understood these things for so long, and it, it, we really appreciate it, obviously. But try to put yourself in the shoes of this Ethiopian eunuch. He did not get the picture. He could not see it. He could not understand it. But he wanted to understand, right? And so he was asking. He was asking this man that he just met by the side of the road, if you understand this, come up in here and sit with me and study with me about the Scripture. Help me understand. Who's the prophet talking about here? Is he talking about himself or is he talking about somebody else? He wanted to know. He wanted to know what the Word of God meant. We need to have that same deep desire to know and understand the Word of God. In Ephesians chapter 5, at verse 17, it says, Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. We're actually commanded to understand the will of the Lord. The fact that it's commanded indicates that it's possible and we're commanded to do it. Lots of times when we're talking to people about religious matters, they'll, they will say, I just, I don't get the Bible. It's confusing to me. I can't understand it. I've just give up even trying. And that's a huge mistake, right? Because if God commanded us to understand, then it's possible for us to understand, and we need to dig it out. We need to work at it. We need to put forth the effort. As individuals, we spend time trying to understand things that are important to us. Some of you fellows, no doubt, have spent a lot of time reading and studying about cars or pickup trucks or something, something else about a vehicle. And I know because I hear you all speaking knowledgeably about this or that that relates to a car and how it works. Uh, you ladies spend time talking about your cooking, your recipes, and your techniques because that's important to you, and you spend time and invest effort to be good at that by understanding all the things that are involved in the cooking process, we talk about computers, and it's pretty amazing. I was, I was showing J.D. just before services how to enter the songs into the computer. A few years ago, we wouldn't even known what that was, right? Now we know. We know about the computers. We know how to work computers. Even old fogies like me know how to get in a computer and make it do something. How? We've invested time to understand that and to know about it. Now we've got these crazy phones that invade our lives in so many different ways. But we've learned how to do tricks on the phones that are just pretty incredible. And these young people, they can teach us tricks that we never even imagined. How did we get so knowledgeable about a smartphone? Well, because we invested the time to understand and to know about that. What about the Word of God? We need to know what it means. We're commanded to understand it. And if we're going to, that means we've got to spend some time at it. We've got to put forth the effort. And we are encouraged by a man like this Ethiopian eunuch who was doing that very thing. On this long trip home from Jerusalem, he was reading the Word of God. Again, notice that we've put Bible in sort of marks up there because he didn't have a Bible like we had, but he had a section of the Bible. He had a scroll of the book of Isaiah. He was reading it as he went on his way and he wanted to know what it meant. Finally, or not finally, but as a nearly final point, let us suggest that he acted upon the message that he found there. Let's go on in reading that section of Acts 8, verse 35. Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. And as they went on their way, they came to a certain water, and the eunuch said, See, here's water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? 
And Philip said, If thou believest with all mine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stand still, and they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. I want to suggest to you that for this man from Ethiopia, this was not a mere academic exercise. You know, you can study the Bible that way. You can study the Bible like you might study some other book, just to garner knowledge, just as an academic exercise to read, to think, whatever. But for this man from Ethiopia, this was not a mere academic endeavor or exercise. Look what he did. First of all, he heard the truth about Jesus, preached by Philip. Philip began, it says, at the same scripture, and preached unto him Jesus. And so he heard the message. And then, of course, he believed what he heard. He said, when they came to a certain water, he said, See, here's water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. So he clearly believed. He heard. He believed what he heard. Now the scripture does not specifically mention repentance in this case, but I think the very fact that he asked the question, what hinders me to be baptized, would indicate his desire to be right with God, putting aside the sins of his past life. doesn't mention repentance, but I don't think it's too hard for us to infer that he would have repented based upon the question that he asked. And so Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. There's the confession. So he heard, he believed. It's inferred that he, or implied and we infer that he repented. He confessed his faith and they went down both into the water and he baptized him. You know what you got right there? You got the gospel plan of salvation, don't you? Hear the truth. Believe it with all your heart. Repent of your sins. Confess your faith in Jesus as the Son of God. Be baptized for the remission of sins. By the way, clearly, as we read this story, we get the picture of what real Bible baptism is. It was definitely an immersion in water, right? A, Bible, a, a burial in water uh, is what Bible baptism is and was. I don't think anybody who could read this could imagine anything different. Why would they both go down in the water if it was anything other than a complete immersion in water? And so we see what he did. He, he was reading. He wanted to know the meaning, and when he learned the meaning, he made application in his life. He acted upon the message. And so now our final point is this. He was reading about Jesus in Isaiah. But now his story has become a part of our Bible, right? When we actually open the pages of our Bibles, a lot better than what he had, we've got bound volumes, all 66 books of the Bible, the 27 books of the New Testament. We've got it right here. But when we open the pages of it, well, there on, in Acts chapter 8 is the story of the Ethiopian eunuch and his conversion. His story has become a part of our Bibles, and it's so important. Why would the story of this particular man and what he did, why would this be so important? Why would the Holy Spirit see it fitting to include that story in our Bibles? Why is it there? Well, I think the very easy answer to that question is because in his story, we see what we must do to be saved. We know what he did to be saved, but it also tells us what we must do in order to be saved. The very attitudes that he possessed and the actions that he pursued are the things that we must do. It's the way we must think and act if we want to be saved from our sins. 
his story is a part of our Bibles, and our story needs to imitate his. We need to do what he did. What about you this morning? Have you obeyed that simple gospel plan of salvation? Repeating it just one more time. Hear the truth. Believe it. Repent of your sins. Confess your faith in Jesus. Be baptized for the remission of sins. Have you done that? If you have not, but you can understand those principles and you understand your need, you understand sin and the consequence of sin and your need for salvation, if you understand those things, we would encourage you to make a decision to do what the Ethiopian eunuch did in obeying the message of God's Word. If we can assist you in that obedience, we're ready to do so. We'd be anxious to do so. We'd also be glad to study more with you if you just say a word. If you're a Christian already, but you've not been faithful to your Lord, come back to him in repentance, confession, and prayer. If we can help, let us know while we stand and sing.